This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So as we've been talking about, Jean Charest will run as leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. The official announcement happening in Calgary later today, but the cat's out of the bag. He's doing a media tour today. In fact, he was on with Global News Morning today out east in an interview with Global's Anthony Robart. Uh, here's what he had to say this morning. Here's that interview. Many questions, of course, but you've been out of politics almost 10 years, out of federal politics, what, almost approaching 25 years. Why return now? For Canada. You know, this, the, the common thread of my whole political life, Anthony, has been the idea of Canada. And uh, I, I think that we, as citizens of this country, have won the first prize of, uh, in, in the world in terms of, of the country in which we're born. And I see a country that's way below its potential uh, economically, uh, socially, uh, you know, in, in our place in the world. And I, I also, you know, feel very strongly that the Conservative Party of Canada has a responsibility to the country and to Canadians to be a national political party and that alternative to uh, to the Liberal government. And uh, that's not happening now. The party is divided. So this is, this is really a moment that's important, not just for the party, for the country, to, uh, to unite and to bring into our, uh, our party members and to offer a national alternative, a national vision of the country. But, of course, you know, politicians have attempted comebacks before to lead their parties, uh, haven't been successful. Joe Clark, for one, John Turner, for another. What do you say to those, the critics, who worry that you may have lost a step, the edge that is actually required after all these years away from politics? Well, Anthony, you know, all my political career people have said that. I was in a political party that was reduced to two members only in 1993. Guess what? And uh, and then in 1995, I was uh, front and center in the referendum for the future of the country. I went on to lead the Liberal Party of Quebec in 98 and prevent another referendum. And then I had three conse- consecutive uh, majority governments. And if there's anyone who knows what it is to lead, to face uh, odds and to win, because uh, I know how to organize, and I know how to win and win a majority government. I'm that person. That's what I believe in. And in fact, I bring this experience to the job. I'll, I'll give you an example. I think it would be a breath of fresh air in Ottawa to have a prime minister who has the experience of governing a major province and to know who knows how to make this federal system work efficiently to get big things done. And, and that's exactly what I'm going to bring to the leadership, both of the party and the country. But over the course of your political career, you, you say that this is for Canada. This is what Canada needs. This is also what the party needs. Um, as premier and even in federal politics, you've gone head to head with the force of Quebec separatism. Uh, yeah. Given all this, some of the divisions across Canada right now as rivaling that. Um, I'm not sure if that's true or not. But then there's the divide in the Conservative Party between uh, the social conservative faction, the Red Tories, everything in between, for example. A divide, as you mentioned, has contributed to three election losses in a row. Big question is, what can be done to mend those fences? And why is Jean Charest the man for the job? 
Well, because I, I've been tested in that regard, in my, in my ability to lead a caucus, my ability to unite people, my ability to be a conservative, period. I mean, I'm not trying to be a right, left, wing, red, <coughs> blue. That's not the idea here. The idea is the values in which we uh, will govern ourselves. I believe in fiscal conservatism, and I have a record on that. I believe in market-based economy. That's a conservative value. And policies that are pro-growth for economy, which allow us than to make choices in policies that support families. Uh, conservatives have a view of how federalism works, Antony, that is ingrained in our DNA and history that respects the uh, jurisdiction of the provinces and to make the federal system work efficiently. I believe in the rule of law. I mean, those are the basic values by which I will govern and have always governed myself and that I'll bring to the party and to the country. But well, Mr. Shrey, as expected, um, really even before you announced, the attacks began, uh, including yes. from your leadership challenger, Pierre Poiliev, on yes. your conservative record. As liberal premier of Quebec, you raised taxes. Uh, you opposed the abolition of long gun registry. You've supported and implemented a carbon tax in Quebec. First of all, I mean, do you regret any of those decisions? And how do you plan going forward to fend off those attacks? Anthony, I am going to be attacked. Now, I want, I want to warn you, not only am I going to be attacked by some people in this race and that says more about them than me actually i mean they're gonna they're spending more time attacking me than actually defending their own race and i take it as a compliment because it is but watch for the attacks that are going to come from the bloc quebecois and the separatists i mean it is going to be massive and why because if i lead this party the difference between me and the other candidates is that i will win I've done it in the past against great odds. I will win and form a majority government. And the Bloc Québécois, for example, know very well that I will bring to Ottawa a, a delegation of Quebec MPs and that they're going to be out. So the, the attacks are going to be massive. There'll be plenty of time for me during the campaign to speak to my record. And my record speaks for itself. I mean, it is about whether it's on taxes, fiscal conservatism. I'll give you one example. When Mr. Legault comes to government after 15 years uh, of my government with Mr. Cuillard, he's left with an $8 billion surplus and a higher credit rating in Quebec than Ontario. Now, that didn't happen overnight. It happened after years of hard work and discipline, something I believe in and something that I delivered for the people of Quebec who have a stronger economy today and a best, better fiscal situation than they had before. And that is... Uh... Well, federal leadership candidate Jean Charest speaking with Global's Antony Robart this morning. Uh, appreciate the interview. Thank you, Antony. Okay. Wow, this is going to be good, hey? <laughs> he, he's no lightweight. He's a political veteran, and he's going to be running on his record and his experience, as he said, and he's got a lot of baggage. What do you think? Could you vote for a former Quebec premier as leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. We're going to take a quick break, then we're going to chat with Melissa Cowett, a conservative strategist, an insider, and some great insight always with her. We'll talk to her right after this. A couple of the texts that came in as we were listening to Jean Charest in his uh, interview with Global News Morning. Uh, Stephen says, Morning, my wife and I have tickets to the launch tonight. Finally, someone we can support for conservative leader, and my wife's a school teacher, so that says a lot. Uh, this listener says, Not a chance would I vote for yet another left-leaning liberal like Jean Charest. That would be Aaron O'Toole all over again. And that is what it's going to come down to. Let's get some insight now from Melissa Cowett. Uh, Melissa is a conservative strategist, consultant, and writer. Always great to have her on the show. Hi, Melissa. How are you? 
Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, just it's kind of exciting for political junkies like myself, and I'm sure for you would a day like today. Um, did you have a chance to hear the interview with Jean Charest? I guess that would be his official opening statement in this campaign. He's good. He's smooth. I mean, the guy's been around, right? He's been around. He's got a lot of experience in politics. He's been through some tough fights in his day, um, both federally and provincially in Quebec. And so I think he's he's wise in the fact that he knows what he's getting into and he he knows um, how to do politics. I will say, though, um, politics is very different now than yeah. even in 2012 when he left. Right. So I think that'll be a very interesting thing to watch is how does that sort of I don't want to say old style in the sense of being negative, but how does the style of politics that worked in the 90s and early 2000s, how does that reconcile with the realities of social media today, the 24-hour news cycle, the state of division within the country? I think that'll be a really interesting interesting thing to watch in terms of how he how he performs within that context. I think that's a great point. We all know Pierre Polyev is really good at the social media game. He's really strong. Jean Charest didn't have a social media presence for his leadership campaign until this morning. The guy, I mean, he, he's not he's not involved in social media. They just launched the pages today, so he's got a lot of catching up to do in that area. And you know what? I mean, a lot of politics is waged on Twitter these days, Melissa. It is, and it comes between this sort of frustration um, that I think a lot of people are seeing in politics at every level. There is obviously this shift and this change that has happened over the past three to five years, I'd say, in terms of how people consume their news, um, how people are motivated in politics. And I think we're in a state now where it's like um, there are people who have this historical experience and sort of... um, states people type approach if i if i can say that of how things used to be where the circles of of influence and power used to be much smaller um because less people were just actively involved in politics and paid attention to it so that means that a fewer number of people were making decisions juxtaposed with what we see now where Everybody can have an opinion. Everybody can weigh in on social media. People are making their decisions on social media. Reporting and media is happening based on what happens on social media. And so this, this, this circle of power and influence, if you will, has, I think, opened up to be so much bigger than, than politicians from 10 or 20 years ago are used to. And they have real impact and real influence. And I think that's, that's the sort of two, two um, approaches that we see now is like making establishment happy or making people who actually are going to go out and vote happy. And that's a choice that every campaign has to make, right? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, As far as Sheree's candidacy, he comes with baggage. Anybody who's been in politics since 1984 is going to be lugging around some baggage, not the least of which for him, especially in Alberta, will be the fact that he was the Liberal Premier of Quebec. Now, sure, I mean, Liberals in Quebec might be a little different than Liberals in in other places, but he was the Liberal Premier of Quebec. Um, You know, how does he manage to sort of position himself as not a Liberal Premier of Quebec that's not going to fly in Alberta? I'm seeing it on the text line right now. Well, this is the thing, right? I think, you know, if you dive into the dynamics and the specifics of that, you might come to a different opinion. But on Twitter, liberal from Quebec is 
where a lot of people will stop reading and Mm -hmm. make their decisions, right? So I think it is going to be a challenge for him. It's very interesting that later today he's decided obviously to do his, um, his launch in Calgary, which I think is a way for him to sort of start the race off by saying that he cares about the West, he cares about the oil and gas sector and send um, that message as well. Um, But I think the challenges in Western Canada, um, and particularly within the Conservative Party and the Conservative movement, are a lot different now, as I I said before, you know, like it's not, it's not just those um, sophisticated economic issues that people are caring about. Um, people do really care about affordability. People do really care about um, parity and sort of um, the kind of deal that Alberta gets within within Canada. And I think that those are those are sort of more emotional issues than technical issues. So that is an interesting thing for him to consider as well. Is that it's, it's a lot of Alberta's frustration right now is, I think, more emotional than it is technical. Uh, I think Pierre Polyev is seen as the front runner and probably still is, even with Sheree entering the race. How big of a threat is he? I mean, does this change the fundamentals of the race dramatically? And are there more names that could possibly still enter? Yeah, I mean, I think that people, since the beginning of the race, Pierre Polyev was obviously very quick to declare his candidacy. He was the first one days after O'Toole was ousted back um, back in February. Um, so he has been here for a while. I think people sort of always assumed that Sheree was going to enter the race. So I don't think that changes the calculus of the race too, too much right now. Of course, Leslie Lewis announcing earlier this week that she is going to run She'll be an interesting um, dynamic, I would say, more so than than Sheree for, for Pierre, because Lesson Lewis has a really strong support base in Western Canada. Um, she did really well in the last conservative yeah, she race did. in 2020. And she's got the social conservatives as well, which even though that might not be aligned with where most Canadians are, that is a significant block uh, and active and involved block within the Conservative Party. So for the purposes of winning the leadership, that will be important. And then you also have Roman Babert, who has officially announced an Ontario MPP who sits as an independent now because he was kicked out of um, Doug Ford's um, caucus. Um, he's also a social conservative. So I think that, that those two will almost be more of a challenge for Pierre than Sheree is, because I think Sheree speaks to just a different part. The anti-Poliev, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. And you mentioned Leslie Lewis. I wanted to ask you about her because she really did impress a lot of people in the last leadership race, which was only two years ago. And now she's building on that. Could she be a bigger factor? She did very well last time. Could she legitimately be a factor this time, building on what she did last time? She could, but... She came out of the race um, in 2020 as being the sort of new person on the block yeah. and building on that. I don't know that she's actually done enough during her the last six months or so in her time within the party to um, really, really impress people. I think that um, I think that she sort of missed that opportunity. I mean, she still could, um, and certainly with the social conservatives, but I think that she's been a little bit underwhelming as to what people were expecting now that she's actually a sitting MP in Ontario and, and in the Conservative caucus. Never a dull moment. Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Shay. Take care. You too. That is Melissa Cowett, who is a conservative strategist, writer, consultant, given us a little insight as to what she thinks might happen with this conservative race, which is, uh, you know, as she said, Sheree's been bouncing around for a long time, but today it becomes official.